Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 179. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gurry, your host here every week. And this week I am joined by none other than Phil from Next Step Test Prep or Blueprint MCAT. We're, we're in the middle of a name change at Next Step into Blueprint or they, they are in the middle of a name change. And so we're going to start mentioning Blueprint MCAT moving forward a lot more. Go check them out. NextStepTestPrep.com is still the website that uh, you can go to and you'll be redirected as appropriate in the future. So with that said, this is a great episode that I know will help a lot of you. A lot of you have the question about building a study plan for your MCAT. And no matter where you are in the process in terms of when your MCAT test date is, what you're doing besides studying for the MCAT, whether you're working or volunteering a ton or still taking classes, we will hopefully have a conversation today that will help you figure out how to create a study plan that will work for you. So let's go and jump in, say hello to Phil, and go from there. Phil, back for some more MCAT podcast. Now that we are psych socialed out, let's uh, let's dive into something that comes up all the time. I see it all the time in our Facebook group, on social media, and that involves how the heck do I create a study plan? Right, students are so concerned, or, or uh, rightfully so, about right. There's a million books to buy. There's all these courses. What do I need? Double AMC material. U World. Next step. There's just like so much out there. How do I, in the amount of time that I have, figure out what to do to maximize my score? Yeah. Well, the scope is monstrous it's when you huge. look at what's going on with the MCAT. Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's like so amazingly large that, you know, your like strategies for like studying for, you know, a physics exam or like, you know, okay, it's over these three chapters. I'll just like read through those three chapters, do the homework for those three chapters and I'm done. Um, you can kind of like cram it a little bit. And I'm not saying you should be cramming for your classes, but you, you can a little bit. But with the MCAT, it's very different because you, ha- you have to st- start like months in advance and and knowing like where to start and how to keep this going there's there's definitely something like overwhelming about this you know it's everything from fluid dynamics to Kohlberg stages of moral reasoning to like endocrinology and nephrology um and so 
a study point is really important because mm-hmm. not just like the MCAT is not just content. A lot of it is this application side as well. And so figuring out how to work in like time for the content and how to space out the content. Should I hit all physics at first and then just kind of like work through stuff or, you know, like even, even beyond all the content stuff, there's also, you know, like taking exams, figuring out timing and endurance and stamina, like how to do the data interpretation, like little shortcuts for the math and not starting to notice the trends on how the AAMC is like encouraging you to think through this. So not just the content overall. And it does, it does get overwhelming, especially when, you know, you have, you know, classes or kids or friends or family, or like, you know, you're a real human with other stuff going on. Um, and so like actually accomplishing the stuff that you need to accomplish for the MCAT is already a pretty monstrous task. And so figuring out how to, to schedule this is is definitely something you want to kind of think about. I know we're also in this time of the year when there's a lot of students starting to think about planning for like summer exams. And so I'm starting to kind of like see a lot of students that actually are asking me the same thing you are, which is like, okay, how do I set up my like study plan going through here? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of things that I like big picture. First off, you're going to have to mix up content and like application practice. It's not going to be like a, like a perfect 50, 50 sort of thing. A lot of times students want to do the content first, master all the content and then take practice exams. And that is not a good strategy for a couple of reasons. First off, the way that the exam is going to be testing you on stuff that should be influencing how you're studying. And so you want to be thinking that like, like how is the MCAT going to be testing organic chemistry? If I don't do any practice stuff, then I'm going to assume that it's tested the same way it's tested in undergrad, which it is completely different. Let me, let me give a a good analogy. It just popped into my head as you were saying it, because uh, as a baseball player, right? If I were to do quote unquote content first and then do the practice test, that would be like me only hitting off of a T forever and then going, okay, I'm ready to hit the 90 mile an hour fastball. I'm like, well, maybe I should have been taking some some live pitches before <laughs> uh, right. getting close right. to the game. Or even more, just you've been going to the gym for six months and like not even like close to like baseball, like, like swinging a, an actual bat, right? Yeah. Like if you, if you like lift weights for six months without <laughs> touching a bat, you're not going to be a great baseball player yeah. um, once you actually start. Yep. And so, so that's one thing. Um, I do think it is important to start a little bit heavier on the content and a little, you know, kind of like gradually like shift. It's more of a gradient thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I would say like always start with some form of a diagnostic, start with something. And we have a lot of students that say like, "I I feel like I shouldn't take the diagnostic. I haven't studied anything. It's been a long time, but the diagnostic is going to help you understand how the MCAT is going to test this material yeah. is going to, that should inform and change the way that you're studying. Um, so another thing, so like, as you're going along, kind of like starting at the beginning, it's going to take a diagnostic, spend like the first, you know, like 25%, 30% of your time doing mostly content, take your first exam there, you know, another like 10, 15, 20% of your time, and then take another exam. And then you start to like yeah. m- doing exams more and more frequently as you go along. And then when you get to the tail end, you're not done with content, right? Like you're never done with content. No, no. Every student I've ever had is like, I wish I had like four more days. I'd study so much. I learned so much more. And that's part of the problem where students only focus on content at first. And their mindset is I need to get through the content before I can get to the practice test is that they way underestimate the amount of time that it takes to get through the content 
And so they're just yeah. focused and focused and focused on content. And then they they look up and their test is in, in two weeks and they haven't done a full length yet. Yeah. And they've spent like eight months like reading a book. Right? <laughs> and like that's yeah. like that's like and that that is that is not rare. Yeah. That's a pretty common like path. Yep. Because um, once again, that's what how it works in undergrad, you know, like for your pra- physics exam, you like study hardcore. You're not doing any like big practice exams or anything like that. And then like two weeks before, maybe you like take a practice exam. Yeah. Um, and that, that doesn't work for the MCAT because the other side is just like the way that you think there's a lot of times you can, like, I like call it like a backdoor. You can backdoor your way into the answer by paying attention to the units. Right. Mm. Or something. I don't know why the AAMC does this, but they'll ask like how many chiral centers are in this molecule. And then they'll leave the dashes and the wedges. <sighs> and like the only reason you do ha- like do a dash or a wedge is if it's a chiral molecule. And so like you count it and you're like, oh, here's seven dashes and three wedges. So that's uh, 10. Right. I can do math. <laughs> um, and so like it's it's so much easier. But like if you don't know and you're not like looking for those patterns and like the way that they're trying to get you to think and the way to like look through stuff, then you're going to miss that. Um, another kind of like thing in that like general idea there is is data interpretation. Mm-hmm. There is such a high level of data interpretation on the MCAT, um, especially in the bio section, but even in the chemistry and the psych social section as well, where you're seeing like studies and like, it's just this avalanche of jargon coming down on you. And it's very easy to be overwhelmed because most biology majors haven't seen that kind of stuff. I know I graduated with a biology degree and I hadn't read like a hundred studies. I hadn't read probably three studies. <laughs> I probably should have read more, but like it was less than a, like required for any of my courses. Yep. And so as a result, like a lot of times people like get to the exam, maybe, you know, kidneys in and out, but you don't know how to deal with this passage. Right. And there's a lot of like multiple variables going on here and knockouts and knockdowns and pull downs and things that you're just like, I don't know what's going on with any of this. (laughs) And so if you're just doing content, you're missing some of that. Um, You also need to work on like stamina and endurance and just like, like timing and fatigue. The first time any student takes an exam, I, I guarantee you, you are going to be exhausted by the <laughs> end of it, right? Like you are, you are burnt, you're fried. Yeah. Um, it's like somebody who like runs five miles for the first time after like not running at all. But if you run five miles, like, ev- like, like every day for like, you know, months and months, like six months from now, you'll run five miles. I'm like, yeah, let's go for a walk after this. You know, some, my friend wants to go for a walk. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, they want to play tennis. Let's go play tennis or baseball, right? Stick with the baseball stuff. And so later on, you're going to find it a lot easier, but generally I find the first exams that people take their biology and psych scores, especially are a little bit lower than maybe it should be just because, you know, you're six hours into this exam, you have an hour and a half left, like you're, you're done, right? You're, Mm -hmm. you're a cooked noodle at that point. Um, and so working on that is also something that you want to kind of like work in these practice exams. Okay. Lots of stuff to do there. So let's, let's actually work through the nuts and bolts of this. So let's say I have four months to study, right? That's a very common number that students will come Mm -hmm. with. What should the first thing a student, what should be the first thing a student does when they go, okay, I'm sitting down at my computer. I have four months until I take the test go like what, what, what do I need to do first, second, third, fourth? All right. So I have, I have like a self-serving answer here. First off, next step has a free study planner tool. So 
every student should do that and take a whack at that if you know it's free. Like okay. just download it, go to the next step homepage, um, and you'll be able to do that. Okay. But like outside of that, like what that does is it just kind of like builds your schedule there. So first off, like get your calendar. If there are days that you need to take off, cross those off. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're getting married on a weekend, right? Like don't don't plan on studying that weekend, right? Like you got stuff that's going on there. Um, if you got finals, right? Like you're, I'm gonna need a couple of days minimum to like prep for my finals. And like I have a big paper due here. I know I'm gonna be cramming the day before. I'm like mm-hmm. you know like trying to like get this paper out because I'm <laughs> going to be procrastinating. I'm planning on procrastinating. I'm so good at it. But these like you want to kind of like build out your schedule there, and then kind of you know look at that like you know. 25% of the way through there, that's about when you should be taking your first exam. So if we're talking four months, about one month, then you should be taking an exam. And then another one, maybe another month into that. And then after that, like, you know, two weeks, and then every week after that, you'll be kind of like working in an exam, mm-hmm. which means that you want to try to get through most of the that content in that first, let's say eight weeks, which is when you hit that second exam going through there. Um, so the first exam you take, you're only going to be through about half of the content. Okay. And so now start to kind of like think about this and working through the content. Um, you know, I would say get the AAMC outline, get a set of books. Um, I'm biased for next step, but like some set of books, you need something, you need some content there yeah. and start to kind of like plan ahead um, and like lay it out. Like, okay, I need to do how many chapters a week do I need to do in order to hit that, that deadline kind of like in, you know, one month and in two months, mm-hmm. if I want to be halfway done here and completely done here. Do you have any and rules so, of thumb for how long it takes someone to read a chapter, read a book, like any, any general rules of thumb that somebody should be, should be basing their initial estimates off and then hopefully can adjust as they go? I wish I did. The thing yeah. here is like, it's going to be very different for different students. If you have a physics degree, you are going to get through physics much faster than somebody who is, you know, has left like undergrad 10 years ago and is now working as a nurse and like, oh, I need to look up what's going on with physics. Mm -hmm. And so understand and like you want to have a little bit of flexibility in there and like, you know, be able to adjust, um, maybe plan for one day a week to just like catch up on the Mm -hmm. stuff that you've done before. I will say generally beginning to end, it takes about like 300, 350 hours is like a, like a, a good like set for how long to expect to have to spend to like really knock the MCAT out of the park. Um, Con- content wise only, or is that including no, reviewing total. practice tests, right. all that stuff? Yeah, like total. Okay. And so that means like, you know, if, if you've got 10 weeks, you need to work 35 hours a week. Yeah. Right. And like, that's, that's a lot, right? That's that like, a lot. yeah, that's, that's a full-time a job. Time. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is why, you know, 10 weeks, I mean, that's still like two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like expand that out a little bit, you know, maybe you need to work like 22 hours a week. And so just kind of like planning for this, um, just kind of working through another thing I will really strongly advocate for. Do not try to, I know it feels really good to be like, I'm going to hit physics this week and then I'm going to be done with physics and I'm going to cross that off the list. And then I'm going to do bio and I'm going to knock bio off the list. It feels really good to knock things off of a list and cross them out. But if you do that, let's say you do physics first and then you do chemistry and bio and then orgo and then psych and then sociology and then biochem, all of a sudden it's been two months since you've looked at physics. And that 
that's not good. Yeah. Um, so you want to do kind of um, like a, like a, a grab bag. So like this week you're doing physics on Monday, chemistry on Tuesday, bio and biochem on Wednesday, psych social on Thursday, Friday, you're trying to catch up on whatever it is that you weren't able to get done earlier in the week um, or maybe Saturday because you want to mm-hmm. go out on Friday night, but you're going to work Saturday morning. Okay. And so think about this. Um, like what realistically you're able to put in. And I think that that should also affect, you know, we started with the, like the four month thing mm-hmm. and, and like now we're trying to like fill that up and that's a really common thing, but also recognize like what's going on with you. If you don't have enough time to put in like 25, 30 hours a week, then maybe you need like, you know, four months, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you feel like, oh, I'm going to be working hard, like 40 hours a week on this first off. I'm not saying nobody does that, but like I have a lot more students that say they're going to do that than actually do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and so be realistic um, and just kind of like think about this of like yeah. actual like hard study time. And so after that, you kind of like work through like you're hitting like each of the topics going through as you're like studying through. Let's say you like studied like acids and bases and titrations. Um, after you finish studying that, do practice questions on it. You know, try to get into the mindset of like, how am I going to be asked on this? How am I going to apply it? With chemistry and physics, you want to do a lot of practice questions because I think the battle in chemistry and physics is knowing when to use what equation. Um, it's not knowing the equations. The problem is like you see a question on the MCAT and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. And so... So you need to do a lot of application. You need to do a lot of practice questions because that helps you figure out when, like when I see this question, what equation am I supposed to use? I'm like, oh, I've seen something kind of like this before. And so I know what to do in that scenario. Okay. So 30, 355 hours, roughly. 350 hours, roughly, yeah. right? I, I, I'll round up. Let's say 400 hours, right? That's that's what yeah. it's going to take. I love the hour breakdown because it's so much easier and, and manipulatable than mm-hmm. four months, right? Four months for most people is like, oh my God, that's a long time. And yeah. they go, oh, I have lots of time, <laughs> right? I have lots yeah. of time to do it. But then when you actually go, okay, 450 or 400 hours, let's say I have four months, that's a uh, hundred hours a month, right? And there's 4.3 weeks per month. And then we divide, right? And you're just dividing and dividing and dividing. And you're actually looking at, Okay, uh, the weekends I'm working, but during the week I have time. I have X number of hours per day. Is my is my math even realistic? Or do right right off the bat, you should know if your math works or doesn't work to get to where you uh, ultimately want to take the MCAT. And you you may from day one go, mm, I think I'm probably going to have to push back my MCAT. Right? Yeah. Would you recommend potentially someone getting to that point and going, wait, the math doesn't work? I'll just make it work, right? It'll, it'll, I'll just one, two, skip a few here, there, everywhere. Um, or would you recommend if someone is looking at that math going, well, wait a minute, I have, I have four months, 400 hours. Uh, I have X number of hours per day that I can realistically do this, right? And taking time off to rest my brain and, and have some fun still and do shadowing and clinical experience and making sure you're doing well in your courses and working and whatever you're doing, right? Um, if someone is at that point and goes, wait a minute, that math doesn't work. Do you recommend they rework? Like I'm just going to work longer hours and sleep less, or do you push back the test right away? I think it depends also on the time frame. Like if you're planning on taking the tests um, in March, 
like you have some wiggle room to push back a couple of months and still be early in your application when summer hits. Um, however, if you are dead set on getting your application in this year and you've got three months and then like to take your exam and that end of the three months is like the last date in July, like you can't really push back too much farther than that. I mean, you can push back to August or September and like you can get in that way, but it's a lot harder. And so just kind of balancing that, like if you're already planning on taking it back in September and you want to push back a month, like that's technically losing like a whole year because there isn't mm -hmm. an option to push back a month at that point. Yeah. Um, so trying to work all of that out and kind of like think about those things, there's definitely something with that. You want to kind of like think about your schedule and you can also like plan ahead a little bit to like, it doesn't have to be a straight linear thing. You know, the way we've been talking about like the four months thing, let's round that to 400 hours. That's a hundred hours a month. That means about 25 hours a week, mm. right? You don't necessarily have to do it like that. You could do like, I'm doing 15 hours a week for these couple of months. And then after school ends, I'm, I'm putting in like 30, 35 hours a week in this area here. And so knowing your own schedule and knowing how to like make that work is also big. Um, you definitely have to plan ahead, which is, you know, some people's not their, their strongest suit. I'll admit it's something I struggled with. Um, and it's why I felt like I needed a course um, when I first prepped for the, the MCAT because I needed a little bit of structure because I wasn't going to be able to self-study. Mm. Um, and so knowing yourself a little bit there, some of that self-reflection of like, I need a little bit more structure, that's useful. But developing that study plan and like sitting down and working through all of it, that makes it a lot more achievable because you can look and say like, okay, tomorrow I have to read the physics chapter. This physics chapter intro about like acceleration and velocities and forces and things like that, just the like straight Newtonian stuff. Um, and that's what I have to do tomorrow. And then the day after that, I need to read about, you know, what's going on inside of a cell, the mitochondria, like the different parts of within the cell and like the structures of this biological molecules, like DNA and amino acids and lipids and that sort of stuff. Makes it a lot easier if you're like, oh, this is just what I have to do today. If you don't plan ahead, what happens is you just have this giant mountain and you don't know where to start. And so you keep pushing it off. And so all of a sudden a month has gone by and you actually haven't accomplished anything yeah. because it's just insurmountable. Yeah. So study plan, working those hours, trying to build out this calendar, looking at practice tests right now, the AAMC offers the four scored exams, the one unscored uh, obviously, Next Step has uh, lots of exams that uh, mm -hmm. are highly rated among students. The The student listening to this going, well, how many practice tests should I work into my schedule? When should I start them? Or or better yet, right, trying to work backwards is when should I plan on finishing my exam? Should I, should I take one the day before my real test? Should I take one two weeks before? Where, where should I end up? And, and how, how does a student figure out that sort of spacing, right? They, they, they see all of the books in front of them and breaking those down, but then adding in the practice tests and, and the review of the practice tests, how should students be doing that? Yeah, that's a really great question. I have students all the time that are like, I'm going on spring break. I'm going to take five exams. And I'm like, nope, that's a mistake. Right? <laughs> Don't do that. Um, you want to take about one exam a week is generally what I advise for people. No more than 
like once every five days. That's like a really insane pace. Um, but once you get to that like last month, right? I really love that we have these four scored tests because those are the like each of the Saturdays before your actual exam, you're sitting down and taking an AAMC exam. And that's like your last month is the month of the AAMC exams. Abraham, so wanted- Abraham Lincoln likes the total number of tests. Right. Four scored <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four scored and one unscored sample. Um, that's funny. Um, so the like the idea here is you take an exam, you use this exam as a diagnostic. You know, I, I said that we're not done with content once we get to the end. The reason we're not done with content when we get to that like tail end is you take an exam, you review the exam, you figure out what what you missed and why and kind of like what goes through there. And you're gonna have a list of like, I need to look over electrochemistry. I need to work on my timing in cars and I need to work on data interpretation in biology. And amino and then, acids. Everyone has yeah, to work on amino, amino acids. acids. Yeah, everyone know your <laughs> amino acids. And so, and, and that's what you're going to work on for the next like three or four days. And so you take the exam, you review it for a day or two, you hit your weak areas, and then you take another exam. And that's that's about a week. It's about a week between exams. And that way you're actually improving between each exam. And that's really crucial. Yeah. I think if there's anything that students just generally don't do enough, it's review. Yeah. And so I've been doing a lot of stuff with students actually recently because I have a lot of students taking the exam coming up here shortly. Um, so I have some on 314. I'm excited. It's Pi Day. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be a good one. Yeah. But Well, think think about it, right? And I, I keep talking about sports, but I, I think this will resonate with students because – the the MCAT in test taking is very different, right? Again, looking at mm-hmm. undergrad students are going and they're taking a test. They really most of the time don't have the ability to review what they got right or wrong. They just get a score back and they go, oh, I missed that one question. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to move on. But with practice tests, the that ability to review and improve, if you think about it from a sports perspective, right? One of the most important things that an NFL team does after a football game is they go back and watch the tape, right? Mm-hmm. They don't just play every Sunday and then and then that's it. They, and go, oh, we <laughs> lost again. I won. I don't know what we're doing wrong, but if we go out and play more, we'll probably mm-hmm. do better. So let's just go play another game faster. But no, they're they're watching film, right? They're watching the tape. They're reviewing every single play, every single step, every single call going, what did we do wrong here? What did we do right here? What what can we do better next time? And right, if it works for the Kansas City Chiefs like it did this year uh, yeah. for winning the Super Bowl, why why won't it work for you? Right, that's that's the whole point of of doing these reviews is to re- re- make sure you're not repeating the same mistakes and make sure you are repeating what you're doing right. That's that's really insightful. That's just something that like, I don't know why students don't review well enough. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's because it's not, that's not something you do in undergrad. Like you take your exam, you, you get your score back and then there's no point in reviewing and tweaking at that point. And yeah. so, yeah, that's exactly why it's a learned skill there. But with, with this, you need to, and not like I, I had one of my students that, you know, recently just knocked the MCAT out of the park. The way he was reviewing, it's it was like really great because he wasn't just reviewing what the correct answer was, but he was writing out like 
this was my thought process for this question. This is what the AAMC, how my thought process was supposed to be for the explanation that they gave. And so like, as he was going through here, he wasn't just reviewing like whether or not he got a question correct. Cause there were a lot of questions. He's like, well, I knew this. And so mm -hmm. I just thought B was the right answer. And like, that was not the thought process. The AAMC wanted him to be going through. Yeah. And so you want to not just review, like, what is the correct answer? What's the incorrect answer? Did I get it right or not? But like, how should I be thinking? Yeah. And so this like highly self-reflective, kind of like understanding yourself yep. as a way to understand how to deal with the test. Yeah. I thought the double A MC explanation was A is the right answer because it's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, most of them. Some, some of them are a little bit, a little bit a little better. there. A little better. Yeah. All right, good. Um, okay, so so building in in that review, um, really, again, starting off early with that diagnostic, which uh, obviously next step has the free diagnostic and the free first mm -hmm test for for students to check out as well at what point does a student just hit the bail button and go things aren't going the way i want them to whether because they're sticking to their plan and they're not improving or life unfortunately gets in the way and and something happens right their their car breaks down and all of a sudden their commute to work is much longer because now they have to take public transportation or mom or dad gets sick, grandparents die, whatever happens, right? Life happens, unfortunately. I hear these horror stories every year about what happens with students and their their kind of trajectory. Mm -hmm. When do they hit that button to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna press pause. There's no point in in gritting my teeth and fighting through this. I'm just gonna reset myself either next month or next year. So there's a couple differences in there. Um also, if, if you have to pick, take public transit and that's your problem, just listen to the podcast and there you're you going to be great, right? <laughs> um, that's the solution to that problem. But, um, you know, you kind of talked about like scores not improving and that's kind of one thing versus like life happening. And I think that that's a little bit different. Um, I think a lot of times I don't see student scores improve on that first exam, which is scary for students because they're hitting content and then they take that first exam and they're like a quarter of the way through their prep and like their score like barely budged maybe. Um, and I think that that's like terrifying, right? Because mm -hmm. you want your score to be like increased by like 25% minimum <laughs> towards whatever you're trying to get to. But a lot of this is like, you know, the application side of things. You do need this like fundamental foundation in order to like apply stuff to these like, you know, these like passages and that sort of thing. So very often I actually don't see a big score increase on the first exam. A lot of that first full length exam that they're doing is is figuring out timing and endurance and stamina and all of that stuff and data interpretation. And it's going to be a struggle, mm -hmm. but that's, that's just how it is. Um, so if that's the issue, don't panic okay. on that one. Just kind of like stick with the process. Most of the time, the the major growth I see is in this like last little bit, but you have to prepare the foundations for that by like hitting, getting through the content. Okay. Um, so that's one side of things. Um, if on the other hand, we're talking like life happens, right? Like, you know, unfortunately, like your father passes away unexpectedly or something like that. I mean, that's actually like a, an issue I've had to deal with with a student recently. And like that, like that throws a major wrench into like kind of like what's going on in your life. And it's really hard to, you know, stay focused on the MCAT. Like maybe it's actually like you should be taking a little bit of time there. Mm -hmm. And so being realistic and understanding that is is important as well. It's not the end of the world if you push back a year, right? Um, if you if you absolutely need to because of issues going on with your health or like family members or, you know, losing your job and living on the streets like, OK, well, you know, 
And I'm like, get get together, like all yeah. your stuff, and like make it so that you can like survive. Yeah. Be, be safe, um, survive. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, don't decide like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I can study or have a job in this like time that I'm living right now. So I, I have to study. So I'm going to go live under this bridge yeah. in Chicago over winter. Like probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, obviously that's an extreme scenario there, but just like understanding like there is, you know, you, you got to kind of take care of yourself mm-hmm. as well. And don't, don't get to the point where, you know, everything just kind of implodes, um, so yeah. one of the, the great things about MCAT students, people who want to be doctors, they are ambitious, mm-hmm. right? And that is good. Um, and that's why I love my job is because I get to interact with intelligent, curious, ambitious people all the time. And those are the people that like do stuff and like are great and <laughs> awesome. But on the other hand, there are times when people will sometimes be a little bit too ambitious. Um, and like, you know, they think that through sheer force of will, you can force something to happen. Um, and sometimes you like, it takes time. It yeah. takes like the, it's a, the process does take time. It takes effort. You can't through sheer force of will prepare for the MCAT in 40 hours. Right. Like if, so if that's all the time you have, then you probably de- do need to kind of like push back a little bit, mm-hmm. be a little bit more realistic with the overall schedule. Yeah. Okay. And and part of that is a, a lack of understanding those who do push through uh, and then ultimately typically end up with a bad score yet still mm-hmm. continue to push through and then ultimately end up with a rejection is now all of a sudden I have to double all of my costs because I'm applying to medical school twice. I'm going to retake the MCAT and and take the time to re- to to repair that. And now I have to write another personal statement, a different personal statement, and continue to improve my extracurriculars because the medical schools are going to want to see improvements. And so it's just, it's this whole just cascade of pain and suffering from, yeah. <laughs> from just wanting to grin and bear it and, and just push through when, when the smart thing to do, uh, the better judgment thing to do is to press pause. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because it does just like double the pain, double the pressure at a minimum, if not even more, um, when you like feel like, oh, I'm in this horrible scenario and just like makes it a lot more difficult down the line. Yeah. Oh, all right. So a student uh, has, uh, they're, they're sitting down, they have their calendar, they, they are marking off all of their hours. They're working in their full length exams what as kind of a wrap up here for the student to really understand where they're at. Uh, one of the fun things that I like to say is that I believe in miracles, but not when it comes to your MCAT. Right. <laughs> and, and students will go into their real MCAT exam with the thought of having a 10 point increase above and Over beyond anything that they've ever scored on their full length exams. Where should a student be scoring with their full-length exams, knowing that, number one, uh, the next step, double AMC, all of these practice exams are never going to be your exact score, right? Because, number one, the test that you're going to take is going to be completely different than anything you've seen before. And number two, real test anxiety, right, of, of knowing that you're walking into the real thing versus a practice thing is going to completely change your physiology and you may freak out. And, and that's okay. That happens. I have a good uh, podcast about test anxiety. It's uh, mm-hmm. premedyears.com slash 337. Um, 
what should a student be shooting for to be encouraged to know, okay, my, my practice tests are where I want them to be for where I want my real test to be? So in theory, we're hoping for stability in that area already. Um, you know, on on all of your practice exams, I say stability. Theory, stability meaning if I want a five ten, then I'm like five oh nine, five eleven, five oh nine, five ten. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. For, for like at least a couple of exams. Okay. Um, I, I I will say a lot of times I actually see you know I say like take an exam every week leading up to that last exam because a lot of times in the the week before the actual exam a student score will drop. And that is like the worst time for their ego for their score to be dropping, right? Like the week before the actual exam. And a lot of times that just comes down to pressure. Students tend to put, um, to work harder and put in more work and time and effort. So there's a decent chance that like that sec two weeks before the exam, you're putting in 70 hours that week. There's a lot of students that are going to do that. They're going to be like exhausted and burnt out. Yeah. And when they get to the exam, when they, especially the bio and cars section, which is a lot of like critical thinking, reasoning stuff, they're just foggy and they're just like not in the best frame of mind, which is also why that the week of the actual test Mm-hmm. Like the two or three days before the test should be the easiest days of your entire prep like path. Um, easiest in of, terms of making sure that the student literally schedules the easiest, like the don't easiest days yeah. like do the least. Okay. Um, it's like prepping to run a marathon, right? Yep. If you prep like for six months to run a marathon marathon the day before the marathon, you are not running 20 miles. Right. Like, the, no, you're, you're taking that day off and maybe yep. the day off before that. And then like, just trying to make sure that you are in the best shape for on the day that it actually matters. Yeah. Um, the same thing for the MCAT, the two days before the exam are days that you should be taking relatively off. I say relatively because I know medical students well enough to know that like, nobody is going to be able to like, I'm just not doing anything. <laughs> um, I think that that's a good idea, but like, if you have to do something, do stuff that's like low difficulty, like yeah. just reviewing like vocab, um, reviewing your equations, things like that, like minor things. Don't do like, I'm going to do a full exam. It's like yeah. a bad idea. Um, so generally you want to have like, you want to have been in that score range. Like if you're shooting for a 510, exactly like 509, 511, maybe the week before the exam it went down to a 508. Like, I don't think that's the, like, that's not going to say like call off the exam to me. Yeah. Um, that's going to say like, you know, relax. Um, but also goes to, as you're taking your actual exams, all of them, Emulate test day as much as possible. Do not like do the exams at home in your pajamas, sitting on your bed with a laptop and like Netflix playing in the background and that sort of thing. (laughs) Like go to the library, sit there, like take your breaks how you're supposed to. Don't split it up over multiple days unless you are actually splitting up the actual exam over multiple days if you have like a timing allowance. Um, But emulate test day as much as possible because you're right that like physiology does change. You know, that fight or flight stuff kicks in. you have state-based memory issues with like what's going on inside your head can cause you to forget and like panic and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why you want to make sure that you're in a good frame of mind. Um, I was actually just talking about that state-based memory effects. I don't know if you had any siblings, but I remember specific times when I was playing Monopoly with my brothers and I was so angry that I forgot words, like <laughs> regular words, like their names. And like, I'm just like, I'm so angry. Right. Yeah. And like, Panic and anger and like really strong emotions can cause like issues with memory overall where you mm. like, I forgot my brother's names because I was so angry to land on Park Place for the fifth time in a row. <laughs> All right. I'm like, I only passed go twice. How did I land on this five times? Rent oh. is so expensive here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Wow. Um, so lots, lots of fun stuff uh, with that discussion about um, study plans. In fact, I think I'm going to put this out. Uh, if you're listening to this on the pre-med years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out on the pre-med years channel too, because I think it's, it's such an important topic um, yeah. that we need to expose I students to it. I'd like to once again just kind of point out that the we have a free study planner tool. You put in what days you need off, you put in when your test is, it'll spit out a plan based on how many hours you tell it you have a week. If you only have 10 hours a week, you're going to get a different plan than if you have, you know, 40 hours a week. Mm. Making sure that you hit the highest yield stuff you can um, in that time frame. If you've got more time, we're going to go over more material, but if you got less time, it'll be less material. Yeah. Um, plugging in the exams and readings and everything else. So, take advantage of that. All right, so there you have it. Hopefully that was helpful for you to really understand the first steps really in building a study plan, the first steps in what it takes to think about making a study plan for the MCATs and, and really the first steps in that process, whether you make a study plan or not, really the first thought process behind what it's going to take to take the MCAT and prepare to take the MCAT. So hopefully that was helpful. Again, if you want some more information Go to nextsteptestprep.com. You can even give them a call at 866-295-6586 if you want some more personalized attention from them for your MCAT test prep needs. Again, their phone number, 866-295-6586. Let them know you heard about them here on the podcast, and they'll hook you up with uh, hopefully some deals going on. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.